Welcome to Sermons in the Park, a ministry exploring biblical truth from the Word of God, focusing on the truths that help us in our daily walk with Christ in every aspect of our lives. Now, here is your Reverend, Jamie McCaskill. Hello, brothers and sisters, and welcome back to an all-new Sermons in the Park podcast exclusive episode. Once again, I am your Reverend Jamie McCaskill. I want to thank you all for joining me here. It's always a blessing to be able to sit here and talk about the word of the Lord with you. And this more, you know, like I pointed out several times, I'm more relaxed, guys, when I'm sitting here um, doing the podcast exclusive because it's more like I'm on the telephone with you, right? <coughs> We're just sitting here talking, right? And I, ho- I, and I hope that that comes through through to you like if I I feel it when I'm doing it I'm just more relaxed I'm just more enjoying myself I think you get just a little bit more of you know me instead of the you know because I'm you know I'm, I'm just sitting here in my plain clothes instead of being in the in my ministry garb standing it behind a podium in front of a a, a, a backdrop you know uh, I'm just able to sit here and relax and talk with you. So I'm sure you saw the title of the podcast episode. So let's just dive right on in there. And before we even get started, um, I want to, I want to call your attention, uh, pull your Bible out. (coughs) Sorry. Flip over to Luke chapter 16. We're going to read quite a bit here. We're going to read verses 19 to 31. We're going to read the entire, basically the entire parable of uh, the rich man and Lazarus. It says, There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen, fared sumptuously every day, and there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried, and in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torment, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us. (coughs) That would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldst send him to my father's house, for I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them lest they also come into this place of torment. 
Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, They hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they persuaded thou I'm sorry, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. Now, when we look at this, what we need to do is we need to keep in mind that we had just, if you were you know, reading the Bible completely, shortly before this, you would read where our Lord Jesus told the parable about wealth. He was teaching that you cannot serve both God and money. You know that one. <clears throat> you see, the Pharisees, they, they were lovers of money. Saying that, I want to call your attention over to verse 14. You know, Luke chapter 16, verse 14. It says, And the Pharisees also, who were covetous, heard all these things, and they derided him. Now, by derided, that means that they scoffed him. Okay? So, this, of course, causes Jesus to tell another parable. This one, the one we're talking about today. Teaching them what happens when you trust in money. You see... We see him start this parable. When he does it, he does it the same way that he did the last one. And that's with the phrase, there was a certain rich man. Now also keep in mind that Jesus also taught that the Pharisees had a bad habit of looking at the outside. And that God looks at our hearts. To remind you of this, I want to call you back also to Luke chapter 16, verse 14. <coughs> I'm sorry about this cough. In Luke chapter 16, verse 14, it says, And he said unto them, Ye are they which justify yourselves before men, but God knoweth your heart. For that which is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. Following this in verse 16, I'm not going to read it, but we're going to, I'm going to tell you what it says, because we see what we do is we see Jesus make a comment. And that comment is about the law as well as the prophets, you know, being proclaimed up until John. Now, most people, and, and I am and guys realize when I say that I'm including myself here, because before I started studying ministry, I believed that the prophets only dealt with the future, with things that happen in the future. But what they mostly did was they condemned Israel for oppressing innocent people and poor people. You can see, see the prophets, they would proclaim how important it was that you love your neighbor. And, and this parable here, it shows us that it's not being done. You see, Jesus tells us that he's preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And he says that everybody is trying to get in. Looking at this parable here, what we're doing is we're seeing someone, <laughs> right, who does not get in. Jesus constantly condemns the love of money, especially in the Pharisees. They thought 
like many do today, and brothers and sisters, we see many, many false preachers. Now, I'm not going to name any of them here, but you know some of them. They teach that riches are synonymous with our righteousness. Does that sound familiar? <coughs> we see many people talk about the attitude, right? And they question that, and, and, and especially the question that we see Jesus talking about here. The, the attitude of the Pharisees, their attitude towards wealth. The Pharisees thought that wealth was a sign of, of spirituality and blessing from God. Again, I'm going to ask you, does that sound familiar? Many, many false preachers out there. You see, the Pharisees, they thought that poverty was caused by sin and that it was a curse from God, that poor people would not go to heaven. Again, I'm asking, does that sound familiar with some of these false preachers that we see out here today? These so-called prosperity preachers. So, what is God's attitude towards these Pharisees, those particularly the same, those false preachers? The ones who are devoted to money, who take pride in all of their earthly goods. Will they enter the kingdom of God? Let me ask you again, what does it take to go to heaven? Let's look at these two characters that we see in this parable. They are two characters who, brothers and sisters, could not be more different, could they? Right? We see, <laughs> we see many, 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 many contrasts between them, both in their earthly life as well as their afterlife. When you look at the rich man, you see him dressed in nice clothes. He lives it up daily, eating well. He also has a life, sadly compared to Lazarus, he, 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 he's able to live inside. And then we have poor Lazarus, dressed in rags, starving, struggling to even survive. He's got these sores that are oozing. He's so weak, he can't even fight off the dogs that are licking his sores. He's living out there in the streets. And we discussed this before, but it was way before. Like I don't even remember what, which one it was, but we talked about you know people who like Lazarus, who are considered unclean. If you were considered unclean when you were walking down the streets, you were required by law to yell out, unclean, while you're walking. When we look at their afterlife here, what do we see? We see Lazarus. Lazarus is happy. He's in heaven. Here, heaven's called Abraham's bosom. Which is an technically is an image of a banquet. You're 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 sitting there eating, reclining next to to Abraham. So he's inside, if you will, and then you see the rich man down in Hades, hell, being tormented on the outside. Do you see it? Do you see the reversal in their situation here? Now let me tell you this. 
this situation here that they're, they find themselves in, Lazarus in heaven, the rich man down in hell, this cannot be reversed, okay? This is eternal, eternal punishment for, for the rich man. Unlike what the Catholics teach, because they teach that, that whole purgatory thing, brothers and sisters, there is no second chance. This life you're living now, this is it. This is your one chance. That rich man, he's in Hades. He's being tormented. Hades, some Bibles have it, Hades, you know, the, the King James has this hell, but Hades is technically a holding jail, if you will. You see, when you get arrested, you get taken to jail, and then while you're in jail, you're waiting to get taken to prison. So being in jail, like, like Hades here, that's the jail before prison, which is hell. Because as we see in Revelations, death and Hades will be thrown into a lake of fire. You cannot get out. There is no second chance. Anyway, I want to call your attention over to verse 24. It says, And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in flame. <coughs> He's still here in Hades, in hell, trying to order Lazarus around. He wants God to send this poor man down to down there to hell to minister to him. This man has not changed at all. So what does that tell us about repentance after death? Will there be any, okay? Or will these people still be down there in hell burning in their anger? So what does that tell us? Well, let me tell you what I get from this. And I, I'm asking you, as I say, tell you what I think, I, I want you to, to think about it yourself. Because I think that this shows us that our social status, our material possessions, they do not guarantee us a standing with God. We've discussed this in the past, haven't we? But I want you to look at drug lords, okay? And I'm using drug lords as, as, as just because that's the first thing that always comes to my mind when I think of this particular situation. Drug lords, they have all these mansions. They have cars. They have money. They have so much money that, that they can give it to their kids, and their kids will have money, like big money. They have men who they pay to protect them. Men who will do anything for them, right? So are they good with God? No. The only thing that matters is our response to the word of God. We have to put our faith in Jesus, the one that all of scripture points to. And I mean all of it. We've been discussing this even in the book of Genesis. You know, if you've been listening, I'm pointing out things in there that point to Jesus. That's what our entrance to heaven is dependent upon. Not on your relationship with Abraham. This rich man here, he didn't listen to the prophets, did he? He didn't listen to the prophets when they talked about the coming Messiah or how to treat your neighbor. The lack of love that he showed towards poor Lazarus here, it shows that he did not regard the prophets at all. When you look at this rich man, what do you see? 
we see him counting on his relationship to Abraham. In life, there was no chasm between the two. At any point, I mean, look at the story. Lazarus was right outside of his gate. He was begging. At any moment in his life, if he wanted to, that rich man could walk over to him and help him. But here in the afterlife, the eternal life, there was this great chasm that separates heaven and hell. Now, Jesus uses this chasm as a way to emphasize that it's permanent. It cannot be crossed. Notice that this chasm, it prevents people in heaven who want to go down to hell from going down there. That's, uh, that's to show mercy. Back, now, now, back to Lazarus. I want you to notice it says that he laid at the man's gate. When I think of this, I think he must have been crippled or lame in some way. We also know that he was very poor. Now remember, like I said, the Pharisees said that people who were poor and lame and sick or whatever, they're wicked. Right? But, but look at what the Lord says. This shows us that that's not true. If it were true... Why isn't the rich man in heaven with Father Abraham like he thought he would be? Like the Pharisees thought he would be. They think that they're guaranteed entrance into heaven because they are physically related to Abraham. The rich man, he did not listen to the law. Like I said, he didn't listen to the prophets. They all taught him to love his neighbor. Look at Micah chapter 6, verse 8. He hath showed thee, O man, what is good, and what doth the Lord require of thee, but to do justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. The rich man did not love his neighbor, did he? When you look at the Good Samaritan in Luke chapter 10, we discussed that one a long time ago. You know my feelings on that one. But when you look at the story of the Good Samaritan, that is a story about loving your neighbor. And it shows us that that involves helping him when he's down and out, just like Lazarus was. When you look at the prediction of the prophets, you see that the Messiah, he would be born in Bethlehem. In fact, while we're here, let's point some of these out. He would be born in Bethlehem. Micah, chapter 5, verse 2. But thou, Bethlehem, Ephrath, look thou, I'm sorry, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee will come forth unto me, that is, to be ruler of Israel, whose going forth have been from of old, from everlasting. You know, we also see that he would be a friend to outcasts. Micah chapter 4, verse 6. In that day, saith the Lord, will I assemble her that halteth, and I will gather her that is driven out, and her that I have afflicted, and so on and so forth. Like we see, uh, let's look at a few of them. Isaiah chapter 61, 
verses 1 and 2. It says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn. All of this, all of it is emphasized when you look at Luke chapter 14 and then also Luke chapter 15 verse 1. The rich man, he rejected all of this truth. He felt that he was too good to be a friend to people like poor Lazarus here, outcasts. We see when we read this that he knew, right, that his brothers were were not paying attention to any of this either. So he thought maybe they would be convinced if they saw that Lazarus was brought back from the dead. Stop right there. Stop right there. What did we see in the Gospel of John? We see a man named Lazarus raised from the dead. In this parable, we see a man named Lazarus. The only character in all of Jesus' parables to receive a name is this man, Lazarus. Personally, I believe that Jesus did this on purpose. I believe he did this because he knew one day he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. Anyway, look what happened with Lazarus, the, 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 the Lazarus Jesus raised from the dead. When he raised Lazarus from the dead, did this convince anyone? No, they wanted to kill him. And then you have Jesus himself, publicly crucified. People watched our Lord die on that cross, raised from the dead. Did that convince anyone? No. Looking at this story here, we can also tell that this rich man here in this story, he must have knew Lazarus Lazarus well because We see him call him by name when he sees him up there in heaven. But the whole time they were alive, from the story that we can see, we see him ignoring him. And it was this treatment of Lazarus right here in life that shows us how the rich man's relationship with God was. Now, before we go any further, I do want to make sure that I point out because you guys know I do not believe in a works-based faith. I don't believe that you can get into heaven by, as uh, people walking around like to say, being a good person, okay? I do not believe that. And I do not believe that this story here is proof of it, okay? Because you see, Being a good person does not get you 
into heaven. Being a good person does not make you a Christian. But the fact that you are a Christian should make you want to be a you know to do these things to be a good person. I want to talk about <coughs> all the principles of the different faiths when it comes to this story. Things that it points out, okay? We're going to be brief with this, but uh, first off, I want to talk about the Catholics. I, I know that there are many Catholics who watch me um, and listen, and I, I, I appreciate that. I love you all. Um, but the Catholics believe in purgatory. Now, we've already done a whole podcast episode on purgatory, so we're not going to go too deeply into that. But there is no purgatory, okay? There is no, as I called it in that in that particular episode of spiritual laundromat okay your relatives cannot pray your way out of hell if you are in hell you're in hell okay when you look at this story here and this story is coming from jesus not from reverend jamie all right not from jimmy swaggart not from billy graham this story comes straight out of the mouth straight out of the word of god straight from jesus we see immediate consciousness after death heaven hell now let's let's turn to the charismatics the church that um as i was growing up i saw a lot of because my grandmother was a pentecostal the the bible itself proves that these great for lack of a better word signs are not guaranteed to cure someone of their disbelief. Brothers and sisters, I am living proof of that. Growing up in the church, uh, well, not growing up, because see, I grew up in the church of God, but then later my grandmother kind of talked me into coming into the Pentecostal. I saw many things, and, and the, I questioned those things. And, be, and I can honestly tell you, in my, this is my own opinion here, but this is my life. So I felt that going to that Pentecostal church hurt my faith more than it helped it. I would ask questions of the preacher because these things that I saw, um, I'll tell you the story if you ever meet with me or whatever, but I, I had this one where I asked and all the preachers kept going with rubber heels, praise God, rubber heels, you know, or something like that, Right. If someone's heart is not open to the word of God, seeing these supernatural things will not help them. Now, right now, there's this movement going around called signs and wonders. They're looking for things that to make things like, you know, that to make people believe. I read in an interview where they, they asked this one person and they said, if we could only get someone to come back from the dead. If you're listening to this, or if you know someone listening to this, you know, someone, if you know someone in that movement, I, I want to ask them, how many do you need? Because I am a true believer in God and Christ, as well as miracles. I, I watched God heal my wife, but I myself am still skeptical of these things. If I saw it, I would still have questions. 
The Bible makes it very clear. Faith comes from hearing and believing the word of God, not from seeing these miracles. Jesus preached. He did the miracles, but he preached. Jesus said it himself. They have the law and the prophets. And for us Christians, I'm on to another one here. For us Christians, uh, okay, we need to see that our religion, the true Christian religion, demands us to have social compassion. Evaluate how you treat people who are in need. Because that reveals our true relationship with God. Some of us in the evangelical church, we have, and please understand, I myself, I do react to social issues because social issues are important. Okay? But some of, there's this uh, thing now, the, the liberal Christians okay they they've created their own what i would call a social gospel okay we need to we need to react but we need to we need to stop we we, we need to evaluate ourselves before we we don't need to overreact yelling and screaming and hollering and throwing things That's where they get this whole hate thing, where they say we're hating. When we preach to them, we need to do it out of compassion and love. Not yelling and hollering. Yes, there are times when you need to be like Jesus and go in there with a whip. But we need to evaluate how we react. Stop overreacting. Then we have this new doctor, or it's not new. <laughs> let me let me back up. I have seen where some have teaching this new doctrine in my eyes. It's in my eyes it's new. This doctrine that they call annihilation where you're not you don't go to hell and are tormented. You are annihilated. You're wiped out. Because, you know, God sees sin and God's, you know, he just annihilates you. I don't subscribe to this. After life, we will either be blessed or we will be tormented eternally. Let me say this. Our disappointment, our diseases that we see every day. I, I, I'm still to this day, I do not think that that is necessarily okay, like all the time. I don't think every case is a sign that God is unhappy with us. <coughs> okay, I want you to let's, let's uh, get back to what we're talking about here. I want you to think for a moment, my Christian friends my brothers and sisters in Christ. What is your attitude towards wealth? 
My neighbor turned his motorcycle off. That was his motorcycle you heard. What is your attitude towards wealth? What are you dependent on? Leaning on, if you will. Do you believe that being rich means that you're right with God? We all need to worry less about this materialistic world, less about being wealthy and and uh, having things. Yes, we all have things. We all have many, many, many things. We need to worry less about that. And we need to worry more about our eternity. You can't, it's like that old thing, that old saying that I've heard many old people say repeatedly, you can't take it with you. Right? We all need to look at the Bible. Read our Bible. If you have one, pick it up off that table. Pull it out of that drawer that you're keeping it in. Dust it off and read it. The Bible is full of information. Information, All the information you could ever need. You do not need some, some supernatural sign. You don't need some miraculous wonder. All the decisions that you make in this life, they're final. There is no, no second chance when it comes to going to heaven. So many people look at the, what we're looking at here today, Luke chapter 16, and, the, and they see it in the wrong light. It's not about money. It's not about wealth, okay? When you look at both parables, the real key to both of them is personal relationships. When you look at the parable of the steward, the true issue in that one is making friends for eternity. This falls under evangelism. When you look at the philosophy of that one, we've learned the most worthwhile thing you can give to would be to missions. I want you to think about this. I want you to think, I'm about to tell you something, and I want you to think about it. If you donate to things, things like, I don't know, sending Bibles to India or, or, or China or Kenya or wherever. Or, or when you donate to something like sending a missionary out somewhere, you're making friends for eternity. It makes me think, you know, I, I read um, the entire Left Behind series, great set of books. I don't agree with everything in them, okay? But... Great set of books. And, 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 and there's a section in there um, where it's, it's in heaven and uh, people are meeting people, right? And they're seeing people that they, they helped, that they blessed, you know. Uh, how do I know you, you know? And the lady's like, uh, if I, I, could, I could have this scene completely wrong, but I think I remember it being something like she was... She was there, and this, and she sees this lady, and she goes, thank you. And she goes, who are you? And she's like, well, you met me in the grocery store line one time, and you said this or that or whatever. I just want to say thank you because that's why I'm here. It makes you wonder. You know, when we go to heaven, will the people that 
were saved by these ministries that you donate to. Well, they come up to you and say, thank you. You know, just think of the joy that that would bring you. Someone that you never met just comes up to you and says, I would not be here if it wasn't for your help. Thank you. It's wonderful. It's, it's, just, it's just beautiful. You know, and, and here in, in the story of the rich man and Lazarus, the rich man could have, and let's face it, he should have helped Lazarus with all of his riches. But no, he used all of his money for his own enjoyment to throw lav- you know, big luxurious parties and, and buying the nicest clothing and, 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 and things like that. When you look at verse 19, it says it. It says that he dressed in the latest and the best. He spent all of his money partying and buying things for himself. But Lazarus, Lazarus was a righteous man. This one is not about evangelism. The story of the rich man and Lazarus is about, for lack of a better word, edification. It's about what the rich man should have done but did not do. Build up Lazarus. He should have tried to help him. There are two parables that emphasize the disciple's responsibility. And that's yours and mine. You're, we're both disciples of Christ. They are the dragnet and the householder. The same is repeated in this one. Both of those stories are about whether or not we love others. You see, one of the barometers of how we love is how we spend our money. So as we close out today, I want you to ask yourself this. Who do I love? And the answer is easy for you to find. I'm about to blow your mind. The answer to who do you love is found in how you spend your money. That's right. I want to thank you for joining me here. Um, it's uh, Like I said, it's always a joy for me to be able to come here and, um, well, let me get repeat myself, be on here and <laughs> preach the word of God to you and go over things like this, uh, this beautiful parable here. Um, the idea for this one came, I was listening to uh, uh, the Living Waters podcast uh, over on Google. If you haven't, um, Ray Comfort's a wonderful, great man, and, and I listen to him a lot. And um, he, he did one on Lazarus and the rich man. So I want to thank you all for joining me here. Again, I want to thank, uh, it's just, like I said, it's just amazing and beautiful for me to be here with you. So uh, this one will be up later today. You probably heard that phone ringing in the background. I got to see who that was that was calling. So thank you all for joining me. I pray the Lord continues to bless and keep you, and I'll see you all again pretty soon. I love you all. You have been listening to Sermons in the Park with Reverend Jamie McCaskill. Be sure to follow us on YouTube, BitChute, and Rumble. And as always, thank you for listening.